Hello from Diplomatic Language Services, and welcome to our podcast, Language Matters. We make language accessible to everyday people by discussing features which may not exist in other languages. I'm your host, Molly Sampson. Hello, this is Molly uh, with our 10th episode of Language Matters, and today we are talking about Korean. Um, and I have with me a native speaker of Korean, uh, Goan. 안녕하세요. 안녕하세요, Goan. 안녕하세요, Molly. <laughs> okay, and 안녕하세요 to Mindy. Uh, and she's a native English speaker, but has learned uh, Korean as a second language. So good to have these two perspectives, um, a professional linguist and a, and a second language learner. So let's talk first about, I know Korean has an interesting history. Can you talk a little bit about the development of the language? If you can develop, talk about the development of the Korean language, including spoken and written Korean, then uh, Korean is one of the oldest living languages. But scholars have different ideas about its origin. And some scholars say Korean is linked with Ural-Altaic language. Which, which, which language? language? Ural-Altaic, a group of language, language family. Which language so, uh, are those? Mongolian. Okay. And okay. even Finnish. And uh, when I happened to watch a documentary of Mongolia, it really sounded like Korean, so the phonology is there, although I don't speak Mongolian at all. It was uh, during uh, the 7th century that the standardization of the Korean language uh, started taking place. For both the written and the uh, spoken, I'm, spoken Right language. now I'm talking about spoken. spoken at okay. that time, we didn't have the written system. I see, I see. So at that time, the Korean peninsula was... Uh, divided into three kingdoms. And one of the kingdoms, Shilla, Shilla conquered the rest of the kingdoms. Mm -hmm. And the Shilla dialect became the dominant language for the peninsula. And then throughout the subsequent dynasties, like Korea and Joseon dynasty, then the uh, dominant language got the uh, stronger, stronger linguistic features that makes uh, the language be enough to be called as one single language, which I is see. the Korean language. Mm-hmm. And, but see. about the written system, until like the 14th or 15th century, only privileged, educated people could read. I see. Because I see. we didn't have our own writing system. So uh, So did they use the Chinese, Chinese system? Yeah, Chinese yeah. system. And we had this wonderful, wonderful king called Sejong. And... Uh, <laughs> He's amazing, actually. He really is. And he felt very bad because only privileged people could read. So uh, they wanted. uh, He wanted to help people in the nation can actually read. So he uh, created this royal academy, Mm -hmm. and then started putting institutional effort to create the Korean alphabet. To create the current Korean alphabet. alphabet. Yeah, that's called Hangul. Han means Korean. Gul means written. So Hangul is a subset of the Korean language, the written system. So the written system, though, now is phonetic. And before, when it was using Chinese characters, I assumed it used the same symbol-based system. Yeah, symbol-based system. It did use a symbol-based system, like kind of like picture-based. Picture-based, yes. 
Um, and then Hangul itself is an alphabet created, mm-hmm. scientifically created by King Sejong. And he looked around. I, I love King Sejong, so I could I could talk about him for a while. And even today, the people, like, in Korea, they attach the great Daewang, King Sejong Daewang, the great king. Out of all of the other kings, he's distinguished in that way mm-hmm. because of the love that the people still have for him. And it's because he looked around. He saw that all the privileged people could write in Chinese, but for anyone who didn't have the money for education, so all of the commoners, essentially, they could not write, they could not communicate, and it was really limiting them. And so he gathered scholars from around the kingdom secretly for years, like, I don't know if it was like 13 or 14 years, in secret from the nobility, they worked to scientifically design this system. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about the system. Can you tell me about the characters? I'm a little familiar with them, but I don't know how many, I don't Mm -hmm. know kind of the, the basis of it. Uh, the Korean alphabet consists of 24 characters, mm-hmm. 14 consonants, and 10 vowels. Okay. And I'm talking about only like, simple characters. Mm-hmm. And certain combinations of these uh, simple consonants or simple vowels create double consonants or double I see. vowels. I so see. the whole number of uh, sounds that uh, Korean alphabet can represent is 40. So when you're learning the system, uh, what is, how, how do you approach learning the system? Do you learn consonants at once? Actually, even going back to King Sejong, he wanted a, a writing system that was very easy for the common people to understand so that they could literally learn it overnight, essentially. And so if you so go were you to able actually, to learn it overnight? So if you want to talk about the alphabet and pronunciation, yes, within like a day or two, you okay. can literally learn how to pronounce the whole uh, Korean alphabet, no problem. Okay. That's not where it becomes as complicated. It definitely becomes complicated, but it's not in the pronunciation or the learning of the alphabet. And that's also part of the reason why today Korea has a very low illiteracy rate because I almost see. everyone can read and write. Okay. And yeah. um, is it written? I know it's written phonetically, but um, I guess like English, is the spoken language very different from the written language? So if I were to read Korean, if I knew the alphabet, could I, could you understand me? Uh, Or is the spoken language slightly different? So the mismatch between pronunciation and spelling is uh, far less severe in Korean than in English. The vowel system is far more straightforward. Okay. Of course, we do have a certain degree of mismatch. And uh, Korean alphabet, it's really like phonetically oriented. So when King Sejong and the Royal Academy uh, were working on inventing this alpha- these alphabets, they were focusing on like imitating the sound of each letter in itself. How do we imitate the sound? Basically, each letter imitate the shape of the speech organs. Oh, interesting. So for example, okay. like when you like imagine like where your tongue is, whether your tongue is touching your upper palate mm-hmm. or not, whether your tongue is curled. So these things are there in the letter design. Oh, uh, that's very cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Well, and the vowels, so that's for the consonants. The vowels are also really cool, and they're kind of based off this yin-yang concept. And um, essentially, um, they represented basically the sky by, like, a dot, which now looks a little bit more like a dash. And they represented the earth by a 
a horizontal line, and then they represented humanity by a vertical line. Mm. And that combination of sky, earth, and humanity, they take and they recombine to form all the different vowels. Okay. And so when you look at the vowels, that's what you see. Interesting. Because it's so, so easy to learn the alphabet, people say Korean is the easiest language to read. Mm. Korean is the most difficult language to understand. It's incredibly (laughs) difficult to understand, to use the grammar. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about the variations. We, you talked before about the historical variations, but now you've got your, the two different Korean countries. Um, what, how different are the two uh, country languages, North Korean versus South Korean? I would say basically a lot of scholars say North Korean and South Korean, they are not different languages. They are different dialects. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the variations we see between North Korean and South Korean is Variation within one language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, that means South Korean and North Korean, they can communicate with no serious difficulty. And uh, the grammar is basically the same. But if you hear a North Korean speak, um, you can tell they're North Korean yeah, versus South Korean. Yeah, because the intonation is different. But I can find uh, regional dialects with different intonations. Uh, across different provinces within South Korea. I see, I see. Still, it's just variation within one language. But mostly the differences are found in lexical items, vocabularies. I see, I see. And I think it's because of their language policy, which is tied to their political agenda. So I assume they they have far fewer borrowed words. I assume you get some influence from... Japanese, maybe, or from English, or different areas of the world. South Korean has a lot of loan words from English Mm -hmm. in the more modern context, but obviously North Korea would not have those loan words. So what what are some examples of your your loan words? Uh, We've talked before about a lot of, in other languages, a lot of technology often comes Mm -hmm. in as a loan word. A lot of Sino-Korean vocabularies. Pre, uh, prevalent in South Korean, mm-hmm. North Korean, they are translated into pure Korean. So one okay. example is Kayeonsung, Ka means possible, Yeon means flame, fire, Song means properly, so inflammability. So that's Sino Korean word in South Korean. But in uh, North Korean, they say Pultalsung. Uh, um, they use this Pultada, this pure Korean verb. And then song the proper signer. So there is this pure Korean uh, word component in uh, North Korean. And uh, another example is uh, the name of the Korean alphabet. I said it's Hangul, Han Korean, and Kul, writing. But in North Korean, they call the Korean alphabet Joseongul. So Joseon is a dynasty that lasted before Japanese colonization of Korea. So in North Koreans' mind, we are still Joseon. I see. So, uh, so they call it Joseon Kui. So Joseon writing. That's an example. And another example is about English. English loanwords. So panties, underwear. Oh, panties. Yeah. Panties, yeah. And in Korea, like in South Korea, we use it. Panty, no S. And panty is underwear for both men and women. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the denotation changes. But in uh, North Korean, they don't use the word panty. 
Instead, they use this word, 으뜸, 부끄럼, 가리게. So these are, there are three uh, pure Korean components. 으뜸 means number one. 부끄럼 means shame or shyness. 가리게 means cover. Oh, so the cover, number, number one, one, covering your shame? Yeah, <laughs> number one shame cover. <laughs> number one shame cover. <laughs> yeah, number one shame cover. So when I look at like these like pure Korean words, it's very like immediate to the meaning. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's very creative and uh -huh. cute. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we have a word, uh, 볶음밥. 볶음밥 mm -hmm. means fried rice, but the direct translation is mixed rice, South Korean, pure Korean. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But in uh, North Korean, uh, 볶음밥 is said 기름밥, meaning oil rice. So there's no sugar coating, very immediate, very direct. So what they perceive, it's really like in that word. So yeah, uh, we had talked a little bit before about grammar structures and, and how difficult it is for uh, students to learn, English speakers. So I don't know if you guys want to talk a little bit about what is, what is so different from English or what, what's kind of interesting uh, in the Korean language that, that makes it difficult for us to learn. From a learner's perspective, so as we as we already said, like learning the alphabet is pretty straightforward, but then once you actually start to put it together, it gets much more complicated. And so a couple of reasons for that. One, um, the grammar order is different. And also with the grammar order being different, a lot of times I feel like Korean sentences can be a lot longer than perhaps mm -hmm. English sentences. Like you could have three or four lines, whereas most standard English sentences, a line, two lines, right? So you get really long sentences with really different word order. And so you, your brain basically kind of has to do a pretzel if you're like an English speaker to kind of flip things so around. So English, uh, just to remind yep. people, is subject, verb, object. Yep. And in Korean, it's kind of subject, object, verb. verb. In general? In general. But you and can then also you can switch object and subject. Okay. But verb is Verbs always at, comes at the end. The okay. end. Yeah. And of course, if you have multiple sentences connecting, then obviously you've got multiple verbs coming in at different places. But basically the statement before the action or before the adjective. So mm -hmm. adjectives and verbs both come at the end of okay, the okay. at the end of the sentence. But what else makes it hard is the hierarchy system. And so mm -hmm. there's a certain amount when you're speaking to different people, you use different forms of the same word. Mm -hmm. And so one, you have to understand your relationship with the right, person right, that you're right. speaking with. And two, they may be speaking in a different form to you than what you're speaking into them. Does Korean also, do, do they call it the honorific yes. system? They, they call it the honorific system. system. Words like jondapmal, right? And mm -hmm. so that kind of that hierarchical system. Is there a distinction between how many categories there are as far as romance languages use formal, informal? How mm -hmm. many kind of categories do you have or do you... I would say is the commonplace categories, Let's because there are many categories, I quite see. frankly. Even the king uses a different category, yeah. right? Oh. But commonplace categories, you would have kind of like your, your panmal, right, which is yeah. more between friends or mm -hmm. if you're talking to ch children. So if you want to say like a very simple sentence like, I, I ate pizza, right? So pizza, pizza the mokoyo or moko. So pizza moko, like 저는 pizza moko or 제가 네. Or if you were speaking to someone who you would not really, like, maybe you know them, they're acquaintance, you just met them in the store, there's someone kind of in your general area, 
pizza the mokoyo or if you're speaking to maybe someone who's a little bit higher up pizza the deseo you may be able to work with three three or four normally when we uh just assume a situation uh, a conversation held between two people uh, there are two levels of hierarchy, yeah. and this is linguistically realized in different ways. One way is we put this uh, special suffix to the uh, verb stem, so mm-hmm. she. Mm-hmm. That's one way, it's a morphological strategy. Yeah. And second is we actually use a different verb for to express uh, oh. respect. So there is like a whole, whole different lexical. Oh, that item. makes it really hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also like. Pop rice, yeah, but we yeah. have a we use a different noun to denote pop for pop for older people. I see, so I that's see, another level. And the third level is uh, you can actually lower yourself. Mm-hmm. So when you call yourself, oh, so just yeah, as a strategy, mm-hmm, yeah, strategy, if, and uh, if so, I want to say, oh, I know, I want you to be above me, yeah, be kind of humble, yeah, so yeah. we use a different type of pronoun. To address yourself, like I, I see, yeah, in a like, humble sense. I see. Um, so, how much does it does it bother native Korean speakers when you mismanage those that system? So, oftentimes, I do it in other languages, you know, and I I know I do it, but I have no control. How much does it affect you as a listener? Uh, it actually like affected my. Like, Childhood, because my <laughs> parents and uh, when I was taking like linguistics like acquisition class, normally people say language you know like as a child you don't learn and you nobody teach. But I do remember my mom taught me and uh, I had to pay special attention to actually use it in the proper manner. And I've never seen any uh, non-native speaker of Korean perfectly uses this honorification system. So when a non-native speaker, so if Mindy mess, makes a mistake, how much does it bother you? Like, are you... It bothers me a lot. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh. Well, so, you're so, a long-time so, teacher. I guess a normal a normal Korean who's not used so, to listening to... So I, I can speak about this a little bit, Molly. So she would have the more insider's perspective, but certainly as someone who is trying to learn Korean in the Korean, in the Korean culture for three years, people were incredibly kind. Okay. They were incredibly generous. Maybe in some situations it, w- it was probably annoying to them, but they were very quiet about it and very polite. And so I, I found Koreans in general to be overall very helpful, very respectful, and just excited that I was even trying. Right, right. And right. I was really grateful for that. So it made it a safe environment to learn. It made it a safe environment to practice. And just because you can read and write, this is another part of learning Korean, just because you can read it and write it, doesn't mean you can speak it. Speaking right. is, it, it is a different. And so you just have to make mistakes. And yeah. Koreans, yeah. because they have studied so much English, Koreans are very good at English. Mm-hmm. Um, almost more than, I, much more so than even a lot of their neighboring countries. Like they are just, they have started studying when they're young. Right, um, right, right. Practicing, they're really good by the time they're in elementary school. Like it's quite amazing what they do with English. And so they also understand how hard it is, even though it's been around for a while, right. how hard it is. And so they are very, at least on the outside and with me, we're very, very kind about it. Yeah. So uh, I don't do you have a maybe one more maybe grammatical thing or linguistic thing that 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 students struggle with. 
prime article thing that's so difficult so how we don't want to talk about it because it's so much <laughs> but you know like i can talk about the vocabularies because they're mm-hmm. uh for example um, native english speakers will try to find the translation equivalent of an english word so for example like hair so hair means basically fiber on uh, skin any animal in english but in Korean, we have a different word. So we have a word, body. Body is hair only on your head. Mm-hmm. Body also means head. But all other, all uh, the hair on the other body part, they are not called hair. They are called tar. Tar is equivalent to fur. <laughs> so, so although the baby, I'm missing something, I think. <laughs> Okay, so like hair on uh, other so, body parts, I see. it's called tar. Arm hair. Yeah, so yeah, yeah we would call fur. it yeah, arm hair or leg hair, they call it fur. I so see. your legs have fur on growing on them, basically. I see. I see. <laughs> yeah. So uh, learners should be careful. Okay, although the uh, fundamental meaning is the same, but the use is different. And another example is in English, wear. I wear perfume, I wear clothes, I wear socks. But we use different verbs depending on the body parts that's relevant to that action. For example, we use suda for hat, we use itta for clothes, we use shinta for socks. So the lexical uh, item, like the usage is more like fine, has Those more fine Those are the verbs brand. associated with, yeah, yeah, yeah you have more fine-tuned. Fine yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, okay, so we usually end the podcast with maybe an interesting idiom or a proverb that uh, you that you like from your language or or show something about the culture. Um, do you have any interesting examples? I think I'm just talking about like pop too much. And, uh, <laughs> Which is rice, right? Uh, rice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> primary meal for Korean primary uh, traditional diet is uh, rice and some side dishes and. Uh, normally, like fermented uh, fish or fermented vegetables, including kimchi, it's very like essential mm-hmm, side dish. Mm-hmm. So fermented fish, like a crab, fermented crab, these things are called pap uh, doduk. Pap means rice, and doduk means deer. So when you have these salty fermented side dish, your rice goes very quickly. So the side dish is bland for it. So we have an expression, pap okay. So those side dishes are called rice thieves. Rice thieves. Oh, okay. I'm going to use that next time I go to eat. I'll use the English, yeah. but I'll just say, oh, my rice thieves. Right? Yeah. So, okay. Did you have any? Uh, instead of an idiom, I was just thinking about... Um, you know, how much, even though Korean honestly is not an easy language to learn in general, how much I actually love learning the language. And you'll see a lot of people in Korea um, learning the language because a lot of Korean culture is becoming more and more prevalent. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of soft power in like Korean dramas and K-pop and things like that. And so the Korean language is just, it's, it's spreading and it's spreading and it's spreading in these really beautiful, fun, unique ways. And these types of ways make learning the Korean language really delightful. Well, that's a great yeah. way to end. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for being yeah. here. Thank you, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of Language Matters. Um, to our listeners, uh, you can continue the conversation by tweeting us at DiplomaticLS, or you can find us on Facebook by searching for Diplomatic Language Services.